I remember in my younger days and everybody else, my father at that time thought maybe I was demon possessed. I could go in the house, and when I go in the house, I would see people talking to me, and I would go back and tell my parents what is happening, of which now I know those were angels. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, welcome to Surgeon's Culture. Uh, it is exciting. I'm here once again with David McDowell. What's up? And Micah James. Surgeon's Culture, what up? <laughs> Yeah, man, we're back again. It's uh, been uh, a minute, last week, in fact, since we had our last conversation. One full week. <laughs> yeah. The, the funny thing is that we keep saying these week things because we post these new episodes up every week, but we literally do them in an hour block. So, and we chop them up. So, we're kind of lying on this semi-Christian, Christian, Christian uh, podcast here. But it's, you know, it's post-Christian, so. Oh, there it is. We're recon- deconstructing what <laughs> the definition of a week is. <laughs> All right. Man, I am here uh, with my dad, um, who is my hero. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited because uh, he has been a pastor for 30 plus years. Um, he has been in Christian education as well as church planting. He has uh, uh, done missionary work all across the country. And I am so excited because today, as we continue talking about uh, does the supernatural have uh, a place in this uh, post-Christian world, I think, um, and I may be biased here, uh, my dad is one of the, the greatest practitioners when it comes to this. His, uh, his character, um, his integrity uh, has stood the test of time. Uh, and so uh, I just love that I get a chance to, to kind of uh, uh, get a chance to talk with him. But I uh, just want to introduce him, Dad. Uh, uh, yeah, say hi. Well, greetings. <laughs> Praise God. That's the voice you of Mufasa. You guys are love it. Trust me. You know what I'm saying? Love it. <laughs> listen, great. listen. When I was uh, when I was a kid, um, my friends used to call the house, and they would be like. Uh, uh, just to hear my dad say hi, <laughs> right? Because they were like, they were like, hey man, is your dad Mufasa? Like that's that's a real story, right? So you can tell like it's already it's already going down. So uh, with that being said, uh, we had a little bit of conversation last time. I'd love to get you guys uh, real quick on on this um, about um, like the that we should have a desire to jump into the to the supernatural to as 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 because it's it's part of the whole picture of God's kingdom um and I just wanted to kind of uh, I guess start off our conversation like that right yeah I mean I, I right that you know it's part of it's part of the bible right and so it should be part of our lives you know when we look at Jesus we see how he interacted with you know, those around him and and how he related to the supernatural, right? Like he didn't do things, you know, purely through an intellectual or a, a, or a medical sense, but there there is an aspect, there's a dimension that exists beyond the one that we see, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's, and I think uh, having a discussion like this, I remember the first time I sat down with, uh, with Pastor Shemenda, I, you know, I love this stuff at that point. I'd, I'd been seeing miracles and praying for people, seeing people healed, all kinds of fun stuff. And I remember sitting down with him and it was like living, you know, listening to like the audio vision of like another book of the Bible that was missing or something like that. Mm. I was finding myself wondering, like, 
do I even believe that this just happened? This is absolutely crazy. Uh, yeah. But it's it's awesome, and it's awesome now being around him for uh, you know four or five years now, and seeing the, uh, the the whole person, and seeing the the character and the prayer life that's behind all of this. Um, I'm really really excited for you guys to to uh, get to meet uh, Pastor Shimanda here and hear and hear some of his stories. So, uh, Dad, uh, as we kind of get to the, the main man Can I call here, him Dad, too? Is that okay? No, you can't because he's my father. Uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, that, sounded, that sounded kind of bad. It sounded a little worse than, uh, yeah. no, he's my dad. Yeah, I just scooted back in my you chair. Can't, you, can't, you, can't call him, you can't call him father. Um, you have a dad. <laughs> Uh, hopefully he'll be listening to this podcast. Uh, tune in uh, every Tuesday as we uh, upload from the. Anyways, uh, <laughs> shameless plug. Um, anyways, Dad, uh, I, I think uh, I would, I'd love for you just to kind of talk about uh, your road to faith. Like, uh, tell us a little bit about your journey, how you became a believer, um, and how God called you to ministry, if you could. Well, lots of change from the time when I came to the faith to the time where we are in now. Here's what is happening. In this generation, you know, people, they are seeking for fame. In the time when I came as a child of God, in accepting Jesus, there was a certain hunger that we are seeking the presence of God. This time, what has changed is that most of the pastors or men of God, they are seeking for the quick fix. How am I going to be so popular? Mm. How are the people are going to hear me. What is the right project that I'm going to bring in? Who are the people that I'm going to attract from the Hollywood? Where is my money going to come from? Mm. Now, in our time, in the time when I accepted Jesus Christ, is, which is still my time now, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that from the day when I knew God had called me, the whole thing changed. It was, God, am I available? You yeah. know, to be used of thee. You, you know, one of uh, the things that uh, real, and that's the way how I came to name you, uh, the name Elijah. It's, it was, uh, I was saying, if God used Elijah, and uh, Elijah was caught in the whirlwind, and they never saw death, and uh, he did mighty and greater miracles, I want to do more miracles than that. Mm -hmm. I used to say, God, if Jesus raised the dead, and he promised to say, those who believe in my name, they shall do more greater things than these. So I said, I want to see those miracles. So I woke up in the morning intentionally that even going sometimes in the hospital looking for the people who are to the point of death mm. and say, God, I want to see a miracle. And if I don't see a miracle or I don't see someone walking, when I go home, I'll not eat for days and days. I found myself repenting, confessing the sins that I did not do which was very health and the crying, where did I miss it? And uh, I would not sleep all night long because I wanted to see something that was so phenomenal. You know, it wasn't like God make me to be the pastor with the largest church and so that the whole community may know that uh, I'm the man in the city. It was like, God, show me your presence. To me, there was nothing about the church. It was... God, I need just to know you. I need to know your presence. Wow. I'm telling you, man. Like, and, and let's just, can can we just pause for a second here and just be like, um, used to go to the hospital 
with the expectation that they were going to be healed. Like, who's doing that these days? You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like, like, look, I don't want to just keep talking because it's my dad. Like, I'm about to, I'm, I'm over here, like, you know, talking about, but I'm just saying, like, if God, his, your mindset was, God, if you said that you're going to call me to do greater and mighty things, well, I'm going to believe in your word. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty si- simple. It's pretty cut and dry. Uh, I think you know the more we kind of look at this angle of, of uh, what Jesus taught, it's it's pretty simple. It's not always easy, but it's it's very simple. I, I think one of the the really cool things is that uh, Dad, even in your story of salvation, I I, I know that you um, the the supernatural um, God was 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 definitely always kind of there. Um, uh, and I, I, it's, it's interesting to me, like, even the way that you came to the Lord, um, uh, like, someone came that you thought it was, like, this lady, uh, you thought she was pretty, you were in a bar. Like, do you want to just kind of share that? I, like, I just think, like, it's so awesome that over and over and over again, God continued to kind of step in and direct, and you were always kind of just open to hear that, even when you were far away from God. Uh, would you say, I mean, I'd love for you just to kind of share that real quick. You know, here's the thing that happened. My mother died when I was 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, during that time, you know, my life went, took a different turn. I just didn't know what I was going to be. And uh, then uh, I, start, I started chasing or searching for love in long places. Mm. So one of the wrong places that I went, it was you know, drinking beer in the nightclub. But before I went there, <coughs> I'm brought in, you know, from a family that uh, knew God. My mother feared God. Every evening, my mother, you know, gathered me and uh, my two siblings, you know. One just passed away last year, Dana and Daniel. And my mother could bring us every night and uh, pray and sing. So dad and mom, we could just uh, sit around and uh, hear them pray. And I remember in my younger days, and everybody else. My father at that time thought maybe I was demon-possessed. I could go in the house, and when I go in the house, I would see people talking to me, and I would go back and tell my parents what is happening, of which now I know those were angels. Mm. They would tell us, you know, they would, I would go and tell my parents to say, my friends came, and this is what I, they told me, and I used to see them. I can't just remember how. You know, sometimes I would see them, they are throwing a ball and everything. And one time my parents, they said, we just wanted to listen to who our son is talking to. And they were hearing me laughing and just going at it. And my parents, they said, well, no, I think this child is demon-possessed. So in where I grew up, you know, I was born in Africa, whereby if a person you think is demon-possessed, you're going to take him to a place, you know, where you find another magician to try to cleanse him. Mm, mm. So, you know, my father talked about it. My grandmother, who was a great woman of God, she says, no, your son is just the Holy Spirit. And I told them, I said, you know, as they were trying to take me to that place. My daddy was driving an old 1957 Audi. I still remember <laughs> up to now. You know, my dad was driving an Audi 1957. And as we were going, this person came. And I remember telling her, I said, Mom, Mom, my friend is sitting here. And uh, my mother said, why? We don't see him. You, you start your daydreaming. I said, this person said, if we continue, because I hate the, the bridge is flooding and the water is going over the bridge, so we're all going to drown. So my father says, I just want to make sure 
you know, these demons that are speaking to him. I says, no, dad, there's some. And as we reached there, before we reached nearby, we saw another car coming and they stopped my parents. It says, don't continue to proceed. People, they have died there. Wow. And they all believed wow. that the one who was talking to me at that moment, mm -hmm. it was God. Now, here what happened. It was in 1979, 72 Riverside, Rwanda. And uh, at that time, you know, I was with my friends. We were drinking beer in the morning when who I thought was a very pretty young lady had just walked in and I said, well, I told my friend I was drunk. We had started drinking. It was on a Christmas day. I still remember it was on a Friday. Wow. And uh, that Friday around 3 o'clock where we call it bridge time 1,500 hours. And I remember very well like yesterday. I said, oh, my God, I found a woman to marry. And that lady looked at me. He said, uh, yeah, you already married to me. And, you know, today your mother in heaven will rejoice. You know, those words caught something in my spirit. I said, my mother, how you know my mother is in heaven? He says, I, I know about your mother. I know about you. And you are my husband. Just, you know, I, this is where you're going to meet me. He told me, I want you to meet me at the airstrip where we are having church services. And I went to that airstrip. I never found him. But you know what happened? I never found her. I'm sorry. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We live in a crooked world. It was a heart. I'm a father. I've got children <laughs> and the grandchildren. So, like, amen. And I love my wife. <laughs> I got just to make sure that I say Come those on, things. And my wife is on the way right now coming to see me. Amen. From South Africa. Well, you know, uh, I went to that church. I never found her. And uh, from that moment, uh, you know, I started telling the people. But my life changed. I stopped drinking beer. Praise God to the Western doctrine that no pastor should drink. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. I stopped drinking beer. I stopped smoking. And that was a turnaround of my life. And from that moment, I stayed firm in the track that, God, I'm searching for you. I'm hungry for you. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just something that couldn't leave my heart. Up to now, I have remained with that stance. You know, what pleases me is to find the presence of God. I'm not contented, you know, just to be in a place, mm -hmm. just to be in a place because uh, someone is preaching good message or someone is an orator or he has, you know, nice topical message or homiletic message. I wanted to be in the place whereby the blessings of God is falling down like someone has soaked the room, like there's all dripping and people, they feel it, that, oh God, something is happening. You know, when I think of the presence of God, you know, I just want to be in that place. And uh, Elijah, you know this, uh, there are so many times when you have found me, I'm breaking down and crying. In fact, one time when God told you to say, I'm dealing with my son, just leave him alone. And I could have been in the place whereby the whole house is held spellbound and they are nervous because they think something has happened. I can't eat. I can't do anything. I'm just breaking down, weeping, and I can't stop. And it's just going on. 
Not because someone I've heard bad news, but I'm crying, God, won't you visit me? Won't you change me? Every day I'm crying to be changed by God. Yeah, I think I think for me, um, one of the most powerful things which is etched in my heart is that, uh, Dad, that you are always uh, and still are a man of prayer. Um, I I vividly remember as a kid. Um, uh, not even being able to go to sleep if I didn't hear you pray because it had we it, we had almost come conditioned to hearing your voice, um, and, and I I truly think uh, personally like this was the the space that that uh, God you you I don't know if if this is maybe the right terminology but you you earned the the trust of the Lord to be able to see some of the mighty things that God. Uh, allowed you to see and still continues to allow you to see. Um, uh, one of my, my favorite uh, moments uh, growing up, we were at the Melbourne Auditorium, and there's a paper written out on it. We have it plastered here uh, where the Spirit of God came. And here's this guy who just came to the United States um, uh, with his family. Uh, you had been here before that by yourself, but this is the first time you're living here. And and now you're you're holding a revival, uh, and you start to pray. I mean, you start preaching, and healing is happening. And so people bring these people with wheelchairs and, and things like that. Um, and uh, uh, I remember people. There was this young girl with cerebral palsy, and this other person who was in a wheelchair. Both had not. I, I think the the girl, the young girl, was born. With cerebral palsy, so she had never walked, right? Yeah, and, but the, and the but the the gentleman who was older um, was uh, crippled for forty years. For forty, yeah. So so like, and um, people started praying, like they, they started because they came up as you were preaching and they, they're praying, and you said, "Stop, stop, stop!" I I'll never forget this. I'll, you remember this story? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you were there, but like, yeah. and and I remember um, you saying saying saying, "Everybody, take your seats." Let the Spirit of God do what He does, right? And you know what I'm saying. And you continued preaching, right? Because people were all focused on this one person, um, uh, on the young girl. When they weren't paying attention, the man stood up out of his seat, and people missed the miracle, right? Um, as as this is happening, and then they figure out this this is what's happened to man, and then the the girl starts getting healed, yeah. like you know. Yeah. And, and it's just yeah. it's just one of those those. I, I remember that as a kid, yeah. right? Like, I remember that as a kid vividly sitting in that auditorium, like, holy smoke, you know what I'm saying? That, yeah. Like, and I'm, and at that time, I'm like in second grade or so, or first grade at the time, but I, I mean, fully realizing, like, there's something bananas that just mm. took place here, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I say all that to say, like, um, back to your, your prayer life, what drove you? I, I was just wondering, because I don't think I even, I, I've heard you talk about grandmother's, grandma's prayer, mm -hmm. but what drove you to pray like that? Was was it grandma's influence that she was a prayer woman, great-grandma's influence? I know you said that she was a prayer. Like, what drove you to, to that kind of prayer? Because I always felt like, man, when dad prays, anything could happen. That was the way mm -hmm. I was conditioned. Well, you know, the the. The sad part, my brother and I, we were discussing about it recently when I was in Zambia. You know, the sad part is that my mother and my grandmother died the same year. Mm. My grandmother died in April of 1970, and my mother died in August of 1970. Mm. Mm. Wow. So it was three months apart, if I'm not mistaken. And my grandmother, 
when she was dying, she mentioned this. She says, one of my daughters is going to die, is going to be with me, but the children, they are going to be raised of God. And uh, I never knew it was us. So my brother actually mentioned to me something that was very startling. My youngest brother, Daniel, you know, my dad remarried and then right now we quite a number of brothers and sisters. But um, my brother said, you know, I don't know whether if our mother never died, would have been the same way how we are. Mm. So from the time when my mother died, at the time when I became a Christian, my goal was, I want to be with a God that has my mother. Mm. That was my goal. Mm. You know, I, I just kept on crying. I desire that God, you know, that I want to feel the presence of God. Here's what was happening. You know, I wasn't a privileged child. Of, though my father took us to best, better schools, you know, he, gave, he helped us to get the best education. But I wasn't privileged to have money. I wasn't privileged to have good vehicles. I wasn't privileged. So everything from that moment, I started reading the books of men like Oral Roberts. Mm. And I started reading those books, you know, like, uh, you know, I had a, finally a privilege to meet him, Dr. Cho. And those books of the old-time revival where they believed God to do something. I remember believing, reading the book, you know, for... Or Roberts, where he was believing one day to build a universe. And I said, if all Roberts believed God to build a universe, can I not do it? And then during that time, I found out all Roberts, you know, it was scripture while he was believing God. I started reading the book of Nehemiah, you know, how you can, you know, he believed God to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And from that day, I think I read the book of Nehemiah maybe more than two, three hundred times in one year. <laughs> you know, I just said, God, there's some walls that you have appointed me and anointed me to rebuild. And I would finish reading one chapter. I would read one chapter maybe for a little bit, then I would pray the whole day. And I would start calling the elders by name, <laughs> and would, names would just come up in my heart. I said, I'll have this elder, I'll have this elder, this elder. And then from that moment, my journey became a journey of faith. There was not a single day when I believed God that, you know, I can just get something for nothing. So to me, I made up my mind. I said, if when I worked for the mines, I worked eight hours, I said, I'm going to change the life that I live. I'm going to pray eight hours every day. Mm. So to me, when people, they walk up and going for work, because when I used to work, I used to put eight hours. So I put eight hours of praying from eight to four. It was nothing but seeking the face of God. Mm. It was just where I said, God, I'm not going to stop. You know, sometimes... I would have one hour of nothing but celebrating the presence of God. I'm weeping. I'm saying, God, you know, aren't you going to anoint me? Aren't you going to use me? Are you not going to take me in another level? You know, I don't mean that uh, during that time I didn't go through trying moments, temptations, and all kinds of weird things. Those things were there. But what was happening, they were overcome because my faith was 
there's nothing that I cannot do if I pray to God. And I always I was talking to God very gracefully and in a gracious way that God, I know you're here. You're hearing me. I'm no different, you know, to Elijah, Isaiah. I'm no different to Jeremiah. I'm no different to Peter. The only thing that I was asking God, please don't let me be persecuted. But at there was a moment whereby I was not afraid to go to prison for Jesus mm. or to be killed or stand in front of a bullet. If they tell me to say, today you're going to preach the gospel and you'll be killed tomorrow. I was ready for that because I felt, you know, at that moment my life, God had taken over. Mm. It was like... This life is not even worth. It's yours, God. I, there's nothing that I can do anymore. So I was always looking into the point whereby I'm believing God for supernatural. You know, I, I remember this instance that you mentioned about Melbourne. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, you know, when you live in the United States, you know, I, I came there, I was radical. You know, I, I was a man who just believed. One of the pastors came to me. He says, David, this is not Africa. I said, I know it. <laughs> you know, I said, you cannot doubt. He says, here, people, they can sue you if you say people, they are going to be healed and they don't receive the healing. And I said, you know, as my God that I serve, he's going to heal somebody. I, I, I remember telling him, I said, let the dead come tonight. You see how they will be healed. And at, before the end of the night, you know, the man came who said he had gone to all the greatest evangelists in the United States for 40 years, and he had been preaching. You know, he has been attending, believing God. His body was so deformed because he became sick, paralyzed, or from the neck down, going on the feet. And I remember at that moment saying, devil, you a liar. This man is going to walk. And when people, they came because they saw this man who was deformed and I don't know who pushed him. And uh, the very moment when this man who was deformed, the parents also brought in the child who, was, who had cerebral palsy and they couldn't walk, couldn't stand. They just laid there. And as I remember praising God and when everybody wanted to come and lay hands, God told me, he says, uh, there are people here who want to lay hands because they want to lay hands for fame. They want to lay hands because people, they want to be seen because it was live on the TV. He says, tell all of them to sit down because they are not healing this child. And you are not healing this child. I'm about to heal this child. I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you what I'm going to do. Let my presence. And at that time, you know, I called a young man who was singing. He's going to be with the Lord. I just, just sing any song, praise God. And when he sat down, I started preaching. And I, I remember the message that I preached like yesterday from the book of Isaiah, tilling with the fallow ground. I said, today we are breaking where no man has broken but Jesus. And uh, this man just stood up and walked. This is, I mean, I've never heard your stories before. I know these guys have, have gotten a taste, but this is, this is pretty incredible, the, the testimony that you have to, and just the power behind the testimony that you have to share. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering, is there, have there, I'm sure there has been, but like, what do you do when, when you pray for a specific healing and it doesn't come to fruition? You see, I don't even worry when the healing doesn't. In, the, in my younger days, I used not to sleep. And I would say, 
what sin have I committed? You know, where did I miss it? You know, did I do something wrong? Now, here are so many people saying, you know, you must speak to that person so that he understands. I do believe what the Bible says, faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing the, what, the word of God. But I don't believe Jesus raised the dead, called Lazarus from the dead, because Jesus knew the supernatural power that was in him. So when I'm praying for a person and he doesn't get healed, you know, I just simply say, God, it's in your hand. Some they have not been healed there, but at one point they have received the healing. So what I do, I just simply say, God, I'm the conduit here. I'm the vessel. I'm the channel. Mm. I said, the power that That's you have good. invested inside me, release it into this person. Either let every sickness in his body be troubled until this man is, is set free to receive a miracle. Yeah. So I, I don't sit down and start pondering. Even when I'm praying, a lot of, most of the people, they may feel something. Uh, the only thing that I have, I feel the confidence of God. Yeah. There are times when I've felt the heat in my hand. There are times when I've felt nothing. But there's one thing. Whenever I start preaching, I feel like someone has put a coat on me. Mm. And when I feel like that, I can declare anything. I strongly feel that we can walk over the Niagara Falls if I feel that, you know. But there are times Come when on. I don't feel anything. Yeah. And just say, God, this is you, and you're doing something. I, I think that's that's such a beautiful thing, Dad, and I really appreciate you saying that because I, I, I and uh, David, you asking that question because I, here's the thing, right? Like, we, I, I think there's people which are listening here um, or come from um, a certain place where, or maybe a, a certain... Uh, 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 theological background or whatever that says like, um, like oh if I didn't if I didn't if this person didn't get healed maybe there's sin in their life or there's sin in my life and it's so interesting that that you, that you you and this is why I always appreciated the way that you went about things that you processed that yeah there was a time that you thought that but as you continue to dig into scripture and you continue to see God's goodness you saw that I'm just the vessel that God is using. And I think that's that's the important part um, that I really love uh, that that you know at the end of the day it's in God's hands. Uh, my job is to be obedient. My job is to um, call on His name. My job is to believe and have faith. And God's job is to do the work. Uh, and and I think that's that's the reason. Uh, again, just as you, this is me just gushing over my dad as your as your son. That's the reason why you've never made it about yourself, right? You've always made it about God because that's who you've always directed it to be. Uh, and I love that. Um, as we kind of, we have about four minutes here left. And, and I would love for us to, for you to kind of just talk uh, about, you know, we talk about a generation. You started off the podcast with talking about a generation which was, it was just so worried about its own name, right? And how, um, uh, we can get uh, as many people in buildings as possible and 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 uh, how we can be on billboards and all those different things. And it's, it's so interesting because I think even with, with what you ended with a second ago and with what you started with was that it's, your focus has always been on Jesus. Um, how do we, uh, especially as young men here, which are sitting around this ta table uh, talking to a, an elder who has uh, been doing this for a long time and is continuing to do it. How do we speak to a generation that is, 
um, that is skeptical, right? They're, they're, and not even I wouldn't even say skeptical uh, of um, the supernatural, but is skeptical of the church, um, of, 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 of charlatans, of, of, of people just wanting their money, saying, come to my, my, my show and, you know, you might get wealth, health, and happiness, and you might get this and that or whatever um, if you come to me, if you come to me. Um, and uh, instead of pointing to Jesus, how do we speak to that generation, which I think, uh, as we kind of talked about last week, desperately wants uh, wants a, a taste of something that is that is more than what they can see, because what they see is brokenness around them in this world. Um, uh, and so, uh, how how do we how do we speak to that generation? Yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, <clears throat> you know, let me just bring you a little bit back. You know, just make something brief. Brief. You know. Uh, one day I was invited to preach in Chicago. It was a large, large meeting. I think some of these churches that have 10, 20,000 membership. And when I went there, I was so tired. And on TV, there was uh, a nice program that I wanted to watch, and I started watching. And when I went to the church, I called the people to receive the miracles. Not a single person got healed. Mm. And I went back that night. I never slept. And I remember eight hours of the morning, I slept and I had a dream. And in the dream, a man came and said, uh, your God was a God of TV, was not a God that delivers the people. Mm. He says, when you spend more time worshiping the TV, you I was not there to usher my presence and to release my angel in your midst. Wow, wow. And uh, that whole day I repented. <clears throat> in the evening, in fact, you are all there. Yeah. In the evening, I was able to prophesy on a woman that had the uterus removed that she was going to have the twins. And those twins, I said they were going to be boys. And up to now, those kids, I think they're about mm -hmm. 26 or more. And that woman, I remember, apparently happened to be the daughter-in-law to the pastor. And I said, God has showed me you're going to have the child. And the pastor called me and says, there's no way how my daughter-in-law, do you know they removed the uterus? You know, it was cancerous, you know. I don't believe in these fake evangelists that are coming to try to get the money. And I remember looking at that pastor. I said, don't give me no dime, no nickel. I said, but I just want you to know that what God has showed me. I said, by the way, they are boys. And please do me a favor. Name them David and Jonathan. Four months later, I think it was six months later, that pastor sent us computers. He sent us, <laughs> <laughs> he sent us more money. And I didn't understand why. And he called us to go back, you know, to go there. You know, uh, and I was so surprised when I called. I said, why all these gifts? He says, because I believe you're a true prophet of God. Mm. We have the two kids right now, David and Jonathan. And in fact, in real life, when they were born and they're grown, I think about Five years ago, I spoke to those boys, and they tell me, they told me what had happened. Here's uh, this generation. This generation is seeking celebrities. You know, there are celebrities on the pulpit. Mm. They want large crowds. Yeah. They want all kinds of things. They they want not rides. They want to be seen on CNN to be spoken, but they don't seek the supernatural power of God. 
I heard Bill Johnson say this, and when he spoke it, I, it broke my heart because I cried. I remember very well, you know, um, Bill Johnson says, uh, you, are, you, you hand yourself as an offering, and the God will use you for his kingdom. Now, here's what happened. My father, my mother, and most of my relatives, my grandmother was there, a lot of my relatives that are still alive, they remember this story. We had gone, you know, to the revival meeting with the Wesleyan missionaries when I was a little, little boy. I think I was seven years old or eight years. And all my family, they talk about that. I asked my mother to say, give me some money. I want to give the offering. And uh, my mother said uh, she didn't have money. So I asked my daddy, give me some money. I want to give for an offering. And my daddy says they didn't have money. They have already given the money. So when the basket of offering came, I went with the basket. And then they asked me to leave. I said, no, because I'm here because I'm an offering. <laughs> I said, my parents didn't mm. have the money to give, so I'm here because I'm an offering. Everybody that day stood up. People started crying. And the missionary, I think his name was Bassett, or I can't remember. You know, there's one of the guys who remember the story very well who was there. I met him in New York, here, who told me the name of the missionary. I was young. And from that moment, my daddy knew that I was going to do the work of God. Mm. And then the missionary raised me up and he says, today we offer you as an offering to the world. Mm. Go and they pay all the bills for Jesus as an offering. That was the only time when I went to sit down. So, I think my advice to this generation right now is that if we seek God instead of we seek popularity, if we seek God instead of seeking the cliques or those that we think they have the, you know, the anointing because they have the polished language, mm. if we just become so ragged like Moses mm. in the wilderness, if we become so ragged like Isaiah, like Elijah, when he was crying out in the wilderness, I'm the only prophet that I've remained, and the raven bears are feeding him. If we see God like Ezekiel, walk barefooted, oh God, I'm hungry. I, how can I have intimacy with you? At that moment, God will change. And when you know God, mm. you know, uh, to be a celebrity, it means nothing. To have a church of 10,000, it means nothing. What means something is when you can have one person in your congregation mm. and knowing that you have transformed and that life has been translated to seek the face of God changes everything. Mm. And that's how my desire is. I want when one day when I die, not to be known how great I was, but that any moment, any opportunity that I had, mm -hmm. I gave my 100% unadulterated seeking the presence of God. Mm. And then God accomplished what he wanted to do. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome, guys. I, I uh, We... <laughs> I, I, oh my goodness! Like, what do you, what do you, uh, what do you say to that after that? Huh? <laughs> it's just like, 
Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I got Man. that. I got that same feeling I got that first time I sat down. Man. I remember it was about a two-hour meeting, and I literally said about five words. Yeah. I just sat and listened, and the five words at that very end was just like. <laughs> I think I need to repent. That's all I could like. That's all I could. It's like, uh, it's just, it's like, it's like Lord help there's, me. There's a couple of guys that you're just like, you know, and I know that you never want anybody to feel like that. But there's a couple of guys which, which like after I I get that list of what is uh is my dad. The other one is uh Francis Chad, and I'm like, um, am I really saved? <laughs> you know what I'm like uh, you know, I, am I doing this Jesus thing right? Uh, but anyways, I, I know that was the, that would never be your heart. But um, we're, we're all out of time, guys. But definitely not out of message. We, we're gonna bring my my dad back at, at at some point, and just loved 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 and i hope um love this conversation i hope that it was beneficial for for you as it was just a blessing for me uh his, he's been my dad for uh, all my life um and, and uh and it never gets old it never gets old i i got a chance to witness and see these things happen uh pray for people alongside of him and i'm always amazed at what god can do and and this stuff is is not fake if i'm telling you um my like and i'm not just saying this is my is my dad uh my dad i know i'm in ministry because i've i've seen you walk a life that says that it's about jesus first just pl- point blank, plain, simple, and and man, just listen through the whole podcast. That's all he's pointing to. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, he just keeps bringing it back to. It's about Jesus. Like you know, it's like, oh, hey, you want an answer? You want to know how we reach this generation? Uh, Jesus. <laughs> and so I just appreciate, uh, I appreciate you, Dad. I, I, I love you. Um, and so we, we say to uh, the uh, the two listeners, uh, uh, well, the one now because my dad's here, so my mom, you know, which are listening out there. Um, I say, man, go go out, uh, Resurgence uh, City community, and anybody else who's listening, go out and uh, live for the week, and uh, let's celebrate the weekend together in a Jesus uh, community. Uh, we love you. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you. Much.